here we are. Another Wednesday, another Wonus. What, what, Wonus? (laughs) Isabel, how's it going? You've had a lot going on. And so I want to check in with you on the air because I think people should know your struggle. The struggle is real. I have embarked on the good ship homeownership. And I basically have hated every minute of my last two weeks. It has been an ordeal, which feels disproportionate to the thing that I've done. Like the movers were effed, the closing was effed, my house is effed. I don't know why I'm censoring myself. Everything's fucked. (laughs) Maybe because you're like a homeowner, you feel like especially like wholesome and mature now. And so that's why you're self-censoring. Maybe. Could be. So one of the other romance ensemble podcasts that we really enjoy is Learning the Tropes. And at the end of every episode, they talk about what is making them swoon. And Isabeau and I, over the course of the summer, have been consuming a lot of media. I think it's fair to say. Yes. So I thought it might be cool if we just took some time to talk about, you know, some stuff will be romance adjacent, but like non-romance stuff that we're really enjoying. And so maybe we'll give Isabeau some ideas for stuff to cheer her up. I'll get some ideas for stuff to cheer me up you guys will find some stuff that'll cheer you up all sorts of cool shenanigans Yep. So one thing that I've discovered over the course of quarantine is YouTube. Mm -hmm. I love YouTube. It is better than Instagram. And can I tell you about some channels that I really enjoy? Please do. I am what the kids would call YouTube novice. I use it for some news. Is that what the kids are saying? I have no idea. I don't talk to the kids as a homeowner. I like am unsconced in my own depression. I don't know anything about YouTube or like boxing videos. Whenever you talk to me about this stuff, I feel like I'm getting dispatches from a platform I don't know and don't understand. Well, excellent. I'm excited to take you on. So Isabeau, YouTube is a website. Mm -hmm. And if you go to YouTube.com, I would suggest they've got a search bar right there at the top. And here are some things I would recommend you search. One is Psychology in Seattle. So Psychology in Seattle is a relationship therapist. His name is Dr. Kurt Honda. He always starts his videos with welcome deserving listeners. That's me. But he talks about relationships on reality television from his perspective. Mm. And he's had a podcast for like 12 years. So he's really conscientious of the ethics of what he's doing and is very careful. And it has taught me a lot. So I watch 90 Day Fiance. So those are the reactions that I'm most interested in. Mm -hmm. And it's taught me a lot about empathy. He talked about narcissism regarding one couple. You know, he wanted to make it really clear. He was like, we say gaslighting a lot, but what he's doing isn't gaslighting. Like he truly believes the narrative he's creating and he needs to create this narrative. This is a survival means. Hmm. Like narcissism arises out of a way of protecting yourself. It has just given me so much empathy, so much to think about. I honestly think psychology in Seattle is making me a more sensitive, thoughtful person. But we'll see moving forward with the show. I was going to say, not many people would associate YouTube with becoming a more compassionate and sensitive person. Some other (laughs) things I like about Dr. Kurt Honda, relationship therapist and educator, Mm -hmm. is that he's one of those people who's like not funny and doesn't try to be funny. Because being funny is actually like a very rare and special thing. And like people who are truly funny, we pay them a lot of money 
for that and we revere them. Mm-hmm. I heard a clip from one of his podcasts and his co-host did like I hardly know her joke at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've never understood that. I don't understand that. He didn't even chuckle or anything. <laughs> I really appreciate that. He also acknowledges it about himself. He's like, I'm pretty dry. That's funny. I just really love that. It's like you have to like animals and you have to be funny to be a good person. I don't think either of those things are true. But like culturally, we've created this like corset where it's like you have to be funny. So you need to like try all the time, even if you're not good at it. Mm -hmm. Or you have to act like I remember watching my college roommate like touch a kitten and she clearly hated it. Oh, my God. But she had to act like she liked the cat. You know, I think people feel very entitled to hating on cats, which I don't appreciate. But some people just don't like animals and that's OK. I, I, I mean, I agree. I think both of those things have really become a litmus test for whether or not like you can rate well in the human family. And like a lot of hay was made over Trump being the first president in 100 years not to have have a dog in the White House. And I thought about it and I was like, this is an interesting factoid, but I don't think it's doing the work that you want it to do. There are so many things to complain about with him. Why would you make it about pet ownership? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can I just go through my YouTube recommendations Please. all at once? Because I'm so excited about all of them. Okay. Another person I think you should search on YouTube is named Aaron McDowell. That's mm-hmm. Aaron E-R-I-N McDowell with two L's at the end. She is teaching me how to bake and mm. she has a series on Food 52. She's originally from Kansas. So yes, that's a big deal. But Food 52 has really given her like a lot of space to carefully explain the baking process, which is really detailed. And Mm. I fancy myself a very good cook and a terrible baker. And she's given me confidence and skills that I feel like the small amount of baking I do, I think, has greatly improved. And she's a great personality. Another YouTube channel I have discovered is a beauty tuber. Mm-hmm. Her name is Bailey Sarian, S-A-R-I-A-N. And on Mondays, she does murder, mystery, and makeup. And basically, she just does her makeup while she gives a detailed retelling of a true crime story. Not all of them are murder-based. Some of them are just true mysteries. And she goes into great detail. I also have discovered that I don't need someone to talk me through a makeup tutorial to be able to execute it. Just watching her and seeing her products look is enough. And so I've been really enjoying that. And then I also watch ASMR, but I can't think of any ASMR artists that I really enjoy right now. But there are ASMR artists that I really enjoy. What have you been watching, Isabeau, that's been giving you a kick? So I watched The Kissing Booth 2, which was adorable and did a lot of really good things, especially for such a like low stakes sequel that had every reason to be shitty. It continued to be charming in the ways that it's charming and also challenge teenage movie tropes. Like I was delighted and surprised by it. That one was big on my list. I also really got back into my disaster porn. As longtime listeners know, I love disaster porn films, Armageddon and the core being high on my list. I rewatched The Day After Tomorrow and I would like to tell everyone that it holds up 
so good. Baby Gyllenhaal is so young. It was just a delight from beginning to end. And in that mode, I also watched the series Alone, which is where a survivalist of whatever is hired by the History Channel, which doesn't produce history content anymore, to go into the woods and you have to survive the longest amount of time. Like you're out there with 10 people, but you don't know how long anybody else is lasting. So you're like truly by yourself. So it immediately becomes a who can get like enough of a caloric intake to survive but it also becomes a huge mental game because like you have these dudes who like go in there and they're like strong robust and like are fairly burly because they've been packing on pounds because they're afraid that they won't be able to find food fast enough and so they like wanted to store their fat on their bodies to outlast in the game but those are the people some of them who like crap out in the first five days because you are alone with three video cameras And this is the part that really gets my juices flowing in my brain where it's like, what is it to be alone, but also then to produce content 24 hours a day, not having any control over what the producers will pick to frame the narrative of the show. And so like watching people have their relationship to their cameras, which are on all the time change over the course of like 55 days is wild. Also, it's basically just a master's thesis on how toxic masculinity gets torn down. And it's like the women who go so far, they're so much better prepared for the isolation and to like talk through their feelings. Whereas the men, like one guy one day was just like, I'm the best, I am Batman. And two days later, he's just like weeping openly for his like family. And I was like, this is so weird. And you don't have the skills. You have the survival skills, but not the emotional survival skills. And he had to tap out. Yeah, I think like mental toughness is... That's the thing about those like I am Batman dudes. It's like they think they have mental toughness, but they've never truly been challenged. No, certainly not in ways. And like watching people like with no one to carry their emotional water for them, they cannot do it for themselves. And I'll freely admit this, Morgan. There was something so grossly pleasurable about watching some like rampaging Rambo dude freak the fuck out after six days of being alone. I was like, yeah. Guy, you cry because you miss somebody carrying your emotional weight, baby. You do that. I've actually had a show that I've had a similar experience with, and it's the First Dates universe, mm. um, which is available on HBO now. They tried to do it in America, and I think I heard about it on this other podcast called Just Wonderful. Mm. And they said it was wildly boring. It took place in Chicago, but mm. the United. So, like, okay, so there's like First Dates Ireland, there's First Dates New Zealand, right? Which are the two that I've watched, which are pretty small countries geographically. Yeah. And so people would go to Dublin or I think Wellington is where the show was filmed in New Zealand. And they would like stay in the hotel associated with the restaurant and they would like have dinner or whatever. But in the United States, people would fly from like Los Angeles to Chicago or Utah to Chicago. And so like a huge problem with the show is that people were just fucking exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a problem that is faced by First States Ireland or First States New Zealand, which is a lot of like watching people have one of the most uncomfortable experiences in, you know, humanity, which is a first blind date. Mm -hmm. And they all get so fucking drunk. Well, most of them do, or they make like a big point about how they're not getting drunk. And then the other interesting part, First States New Zealand is like the freshest season that I've watched. It's people just like don't go on dates, period, anymore Mm -hmm. like that. And so they're all like very much 
much out to sea with like how to have a conversation with someone who you might be having sex with and introducing to your parents eventually. Yeah. So that has been fascinating. HBO Now in general, highly recommend. They've got a lot of people don't know this. They have the TCM vault on there. That's nice. And some really great pieces of black cinema that I think people should check out. The post-colonial work Black Girl is on there, which is great about a housekeeper who moves to the Metropole. Mm. There's lots of great stuff on there. And if you have HBO now, definitely check out the Turner Classic Movies collection. There's a lot of Criterion stuff that people might be into as well. What have you been reading? Uh, Romance novels. I've actually been reading a lot of long form magazines. I had a long backlist from time in quarantine where I just hadn't felt like reading my Vanity Fairs and GQs and Real Simples. But over the last two weeks while I was packing, I would take mental breaks and just dive into a long form magazine. So I think the tone of GQ recently has been really, really good, where it's been just sarcastic enough and just helpful enough in terms of like, hey, life shit, here's some shoes and here's some rules about ties. And like, here's a long form article about the lead pipe crisis in Flint, Michigan, that is also mirrored in six other cities that you've never heard of. So that was fun to go through that back catalog, which also felt like news that I could ingest at a pace that I could ingest it. Because like I've been, you know, watching a lot of John Oliver and all that stuff. But I find that like even 20 minutes and how fun and delighting I find John Oliver can be really hard if I'm not in a space for it. And the thing about books and long form reading is that like I can really just be like, whew, I'm going to come back to you after I'm done vacuuming. So the Flint, Michigan article, were there any other articles that stand out in your mind that you really enjoyed? It was funny when you first mentioned Seattle, I was like, oh, I've been following a Twitter account about orcas because the resident orcas in the Salish Sea got an article in G and they have an albino orca, which is really special. So I've been following that on Twitter and it's been both enjoyable and heartbreaking as anything following an endangered beloved species is going to be. What's the name of the Twitter account? It's the Orca Network at Orca Network. And I was happy to follow that because one of the sci-fi writers that I loved and actually wrote my master's thesis on, Vonda McIntyre, was a prolific tweeter at the Orca Network, but she since passed away. Speaking of whales, I've been reading Moby Dick as a long form magazine. Oh my God, such a good story. When I need to take a break from something, I just read a random chapter of Moby Dick. And I actually think that this might be the best way to read Moby Dick because you don't ever feel bogged down by it. Mm -hmm. You never feel like you need to like maintain it. To be honest, like the plot is like a part of it, but it's not the part of Moby Dick. Totally. And you really appreciate all of the other much better parts by just randomly reading a chapter. I'm kind of excited to try it with other books. I think you might be onto something. I think you're right. It's the exact right way to read Moby Dick. Well, like the Bible is also more fun that way. That's true. (laughs) I bet Paradise Lost would also be much more fun that way. I think Paradise Lost is a great way of doing that. Yeah. So take everything you know about reading a book, put it in a box and set the box on fire. And just like read random chapters of something, especially a big fat book. You know, I was reading about Anna Karenina and I learned that it was serialized. It was published chapter by chapter. But over many years, Mm -hmm. which like, of course, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
But I was like, it like totally changed my understanding of Anna Karenina because I was like, think about like the personal journey Tolstoy was on and like being with Levin and like how he is a total Mary Sue. Totally. And how that comes to like be more apparent and like the journey with like coming to love his child, you know? Yeah. I think like Anna Karenina would make a lot of sense to read random chapter by random chapter. I think probably a lot of the Russians would make sense in that way because Dostoevsky was paid by the word. And when I found that out halfway through reading Crime and Punishment, I was like, oh, you had to feed your family, which is why this clause never ends. (laughs) So mad. If you're not like trying to get through it, like if that clause isn't standing between you and understanding more of the story, you can just appreciate the gymnastics of the clause. Exactly. And be like, man, you really wanted to feed your family this week, guy. I get it. I see you. I see your work. Yes. And it becomes something else, something better than it was before, perhaps. I think that's such a good way of describing it. I have also discovered TikTok over the course of quarantine. (laughs) You know this because I share TikToks with you. I also share TikToks with our producer, but I've also had a long conversation with our producer about why I love TikTok. I understand the issues with TikTok, and that's why I'm willing to be the only one of our friends with an account and that I'll just send you guys stuff. But the algorithm is so good for finding stuff that you like. And I understand that like, oh, you're in an echo chamber. It's like, yes, I am in an echo chamber of guinea pigs and experimental film pieces and skateboard videos. I am in that echo chamber. I don't think it's making me a worse person. The other good thing is like, yeah, they are building AI based off of it. So that's why good people need to be on TikTok more so that the AI becomes Mm. a good person. And by good person, I mean guinea pigs, very specific breakdowns of popular music, skateboarding videos, and also people who shop on wish.com and tell me about it. Mm. There's so much delight to be had on TikTok. And I do encourage you try it out. The other thing about TikTok is, is like if you end up in a certain part of TikTok, like if you're seeing a lot of like they call it straight TikTok, like that's a good mirror to hold up to yourself and say, why am I here? What about me could be better? What about me has informed this algorithm to produce this content for my consumption? Exactly. What choices have you made? So the TikTok algorithm is something that I've been super into lately. I get it. One last thing that I discovered, I have always loved one Petula Clark song and I got her album and it's all great. Okay. Petula Clark fucking slaps. And I feel so upset that for so long, oldies, radio stations only played one of her songs. And now I'm really happy that I spent the $1.99 to get a whole album of Petula Clark. Who the fuck is Petula Clark? Oh my God. So she was a not very famous British singer. And she had these two songs right at the mid 60s. Downtown being the most popular, like, there's a place you can go and it's downtown. She also has Don't Sleep in the Subway, Darling, which is just outstanding as a song. It's a stupid message, but it's a really great chord progression. But the rest of it's really good. And she's a weirdo. She's basically like the singing version of Twiggy. If you ever watched America's Next Top Model. I like that your reference point for Twiggy is America's Next Top Model. It's not my only reference point, but I thought for 
like maybe some of our listeners it might be more accessible than like you know one of the fashion models who invented mod yeah if we're talking about music if you like country music you should check out a guy called Nick Shoulders Mm. he does some really fun stuff if you like soulful dance if you like Robin then I think you should check out an artist named Jax J-A-X Anderson and the other person I would recommend and kind of that same vein is Vagabond V-A-G-A-B-O-N I've been really digging their stuff lately and of course the Womance uh, playlists you should check those out yeah I want to talk about some Instagram stuff I'm really into I'm really into people doing their makeup like book covers on Instagram that's cool Mm. and so I want to shout out Shades and Pages who matches her lipstick to the titles that she's reading she also does great reviews of both lipsticks and book covers so Shades and Pages is awesome on bookstagram someone new I've discovered who I've really enjoyed (laughs) anything else you've been into lately Isabel no that's been like pretty much it I do a lot of scrolling doom scrolling or whatever they call it but that's not good for me and I haven't enjoyed it it's just something that I can't prevent myself from doing what are you scrolling on oh Facebook Twitter my Google updates oh okay you're so classic social media I am I'm two steps away from being a Luddite you should just delete those and go to Instagram and TikTok (laughs) and YouTube all of those things have algorithms that only make me happy I should do that oh I also want to talk about recipes because I'm sure a lot of people saw it and they decided they weren't going to fucking try it and I want to tell you you need to try it so before everything blew up with Bon Appetit they had an at home episode with their Mm. video chefs and one of my all time favorite chefs who's no longer there who is Eye of the Storm here Solna they did a clean out your freezer snack Mm. And Sola did hot dog tacos. Oh, wow. You need to seek out this video. You need to produce this product. They are so fucking delicious. I wish I could make all of you a hot dog taco. I can't. That makes me sad. That's how good these hot dog tacos are. I don't use the mayo on mine. I find that my wiener is greasy enough. But if you want to add mayo, uh, it doesn't take away from it by any means. But anyways, I'm going to look up and see if I can find hot dog tacos. Yeah, it's only on the video. But the video is called Chefs Make Eight Different Freezer Meals at Home. And hers is at the very beginning because obviously she's the most talented. Make the hot dog tacos. Mm-hmm. It starts with a frozen hot dog. It ends with your life being changed for the better. Wow. That reminds me of a TikTok song I like, which is a remix of a Hank Hill quote. Do I look like I know what a JPEG is? I just want a picture of a god dang hot dog. All right, no comment. So I think that's that then. Are you there? Oppressively silent. You are oppressively silent. I'm sorry. It, it wasn't meant to be oppressive. It was like, I know that you can't see me, but I was smiling. It wasn't like funny enough to get me to laugh. And like, that was my bad. I was smiling. <laughs> I don't know how to audibly smile yet without it being like weird. But now that you've mentioned it, that's something I should work on. I have emailed you First States Ireland YouTube clips. Um, for a while, I was signing off all of my emails to you with those, but I have a feeling you haven't clicked them. So I am going to be emailing you a whole series of First States Ireland clips 
from YouTube after we get done recording. Okay. You're going to watch them. And that's going to be your entree into YouTube. Amazing. Here's the other thing that I did get into. I watch normal people, but I watched it like way after everyone else did. Uh Uh-huh. And everybody was right. Like, you know, it's a strange love story about the young man's very beautiful neck chain and the back of his neck, which I mean, I get. I totally understand that. The back of his neck is a thing? Oh my God. The whole show is basically shot from over his shoulder with his very prominent ears and the back of his neck very prominently displayed in almost all of his scenes. Isabel, I googled it. You are the only person who has made this observation. Anyway, it became... You... Oh my God, what a window. (laughs) What a window into your psyche. What's so funny is like nobody said anything to me about it and I was like, why didn't anybody say anything to me about it? Like, why is this show so like shot from this angle? Whatever. But then the other thing that I felt really... (laughs) unprepared for and bowled over by was how fucking good the soundtrack is. I loved the soundtrack for normal people. Okay. And that's what I have to say. That's been the media I've been enjoying for the last six months. As someone who who spends time with you outside of this podcast, and I know most of the people listening spend absolutely no time with you outside of the podcast, your interp- your takeaways from normal people being the back of Connell's neck mm-hmm. and his prominent ears and the soundtrack, mm-hmm. like I feel that's you consuming media to a T. <laughs> You know, I am what I am. <laughs> you just state it like everyone's talking about it. And like, absolutely I do, I no do one is that. talking about either of those things. <laughs> Literally no one. I was like, why didn't anybody say this? Oh, because no one noticed. <laughs> because it's a very boring soundtrack. And because you're the only person who's turned on by the back of his ears. I wasn't turned on. I just noticed how prominently it featured. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay, it's like those people who point out that Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish. It's like whoever smelt it also has a foot fetish. Oh, I don't think that's true. I think it's like he just has a lot of feet in his movies. You know what? That's true. And he does actually have a foot fetish. Yeah. And people who were on set with him noticed it probably because a great deal of time and energy was being put into filming feet. But I'm going to tell you the people who first noticed it and started commenting on it. Those are some toasts suckers takes one Hmm. to spot one I think in that case Hmm. so maybe we'll get a ton of people following up who are like oh my god yes the back of Connell's ears and normal people it's not the back of his ears it's that his ears are prominent it's the back of his neck it's just the angle of the shot is like constantly over his shoulder like that it was just like why are we doing this why are you doing this to me no not to me just like why are we making this choice Cut it out, normal people. What an observation. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. So that's some stuff for people to check out. Yep. I am going to revisit normal people and see if I notice this time. Think it's worth it. (laughs) The back of Connell's neck. It's very prominent. Hard to miss. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right, cool. Um, So thanks again for tuning in. Um, And remember to loosen your woes. But never your nusses.
Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabel. That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzak. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frog podcast network discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast until next week Mwah.